Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. Hola, mujerones. Welcome back to the podcast. I love saying that, by the way. <laughs> Just welcoming you guys to a new episode. We're going to be talking about taking risks. And I truly believe this is a topic you don't see a lot online. And in general, people talking about what is the other side of investing in yourself, starting a business, going all in on your dreams. There are risks to everything that we decide to do in life. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper on what those risks look like for myself and my guest, and also ways that you can just navigate these risks in a more peaceful way, in a way that they feel aligned with the decisions that you're making. So please help me welcome my guest, Rosalie. She is the CEO of Port Equa Consulting, and I'm super excited to have you, Rosalie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Sonia. And thank you to Mujer on Movement for welcoming me as well. Yes. So we met at New York City when we had our New York City event. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that experience. But um, I met Rosalie there. She was one of our attendees and we connected right away. I love all of the message around risk that she's really working on to bring more in the, at the forefront for our Latina entrepreneurs. Uh, so Rosalie, tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to start your business. I feel like it was always meant to arrive at this you know, path. I didn't know how or when, and I think that's part of your risk journey and figuring out like where things take you. I started out in corporate. So I went you know, to college, majored in business administration and did a focus in accounting. Um, I was part of a Latino business club at, at college. And so that led me to external audit at KPMG. I love that great experience, great place to start your career and really build a skill set. I knew that initially I wanted to go into the corporate world. And so, because that's where I would have the resources, like be able to gain insights from other people, learn from other leaders. So I started an external audit and then I went to Estee Lauder. I looked for my next move and I still wanted to stay with an audit, but I switched to internal audit, which meant that I was working internally in the company to help them manage their risk, think about how they're doing operations, making sure they're compliant with certain policies and procedures so that they're not risking their business or achieving their goals. And then from there, I built a skill set enough where I was like, I kind of want to do this on my own. Like I want to lead a function, an internal audit function somewhere else. So I looked for a role and I ended up at Bombas, um, which was mission driven. It was a high growth stage. Um, it was a much smaller company than I was used to with thousands of people. This one had 200, but that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to be in a smaller, in a smaller unit where I could actually interact one-on-one -on -one with people, talk to them about risk and what internal audit and what risk management is and how they can think about it on a daily basis. So I was there for about a year. Um, I had the unfortunate luck to be laid off as part of the economy, which is not uncommon now. But I think that that was the final push for me to say, like, I want to build, you know, my own space where I'm valued, where I have my services that I can offer and give value back to the Latina entrepreneurs. 
And I was like, this time I, this is my time to take the leap. Like I'm going to start my business. I built all of my skill set and leadership skills. And now I want to bring it back to my community. And so I started for Equa Consulting and there was a lot of other nuggets along the way of, you know, feeling valued, um, having a safe workplace, not being in necessarily the politics or the toxic environments. Um, and then also just seeing myself represented. I felt like I had a lot of value to give because I wanted to help other Latinas and other leaders become, you know, those amazing mujerones that they can be. And so that's really my mission now at Port Echo Consulting is to help um, empower everyone with a risk mindset and help them grow, um, whether it's personally, uh, professionally. My focus is obviously on businesses and helping them grow, but it's really I feel like as we're stepping into our CEO identity and, and our mujeron identity, like we need to feel empowered as ourselves and then we can show up for our business and think, think yeah. about risk as well. And you know what? I love the way that risk for you in your career has been like so in, so such at the core, right? And I love that it was very logistical in your role, but now it's like also the mindset part of taking risks. So I'm I'm so excited to dive into this because I think sometimes when we're first starting a business or we're just, you know, starting a project, we obviously at, for the most part some of us don't really focus obviously on the risk. We want to just think about like what's the amazing outcome and all of yeah. that. But as the more I go into business and the more I've really switched into that CEO identity, right? When I really decided to take this movement as a business rather than just like a passion project, or I was just trying out something, the risk part of it was really, really like loud and it just became more present. So I, I'm really excited uh, to, to dive into this topic. So I want to start first with the CEO identity, because I feel like that's where we really go from passion project, side hustle, hobby, right into, okay, we're really going to treat our business and our passion project as a business. Can you tell me more about how you support your clients or how it was for you to really switch into that CEO identity? Yeah, definitely. So we talk a lot about mindset. I know you've talked a lot about it. It's really knowing, you know, what identity that you're going to embody. And especially leading a business, you have to have a leader identity, you have to have a CEO identity. Um, and I feel like, especially as Latinas, we grow up, you know, wanting to people please wanting to be perfect. And so sometimes we don't take certain risks, um, we might not even take a risk in starting a business. Um, so it just takes it takes a lot of time to step into that confidence and potential. But I feel like once you do, and you evaluate really what your value is, what you can offer, what services, what skill set, you know, or what product you can make, uh, you can really step into that identity and really think of yourself as the CEO. Because the thing that I like to talk about with my clients too, is that you are the CEO of your life. Um, and so we're entrepreneurs, but we're also lifepreneurs. Like we're creating our, you know, the business of life. And so we should be also in our life evaluating those risks. And so this is just taking it a step further from now. You're a lifepreneur, a CEO of your life to an entrepreneur and building that business. Yes. And what would you say was would be more of like the logistical part of really stepping into that CEO identity? Because I feel like um, and I'll share a little bit more what it was for me, but I would love to hear for you as well. For me, it wasn't until last year. 
seriously, I started this movement in 2019 and not until 2022, even after I had launched my first offer, 2022 was when I really, at the end, I was like, okay, this is something like I need to really put on my CEO cap, right? And like, think about how are we going to scale and where do we need help? So the first thing that I did was hire a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that move was like, oh, okay, we have a business, right? It wasn't when I filed my LLC. It wasn't when I had my first 10K launch. It wasn't when it, none of those things really put me into gear until the event that I, that I put together the, our annual event, which is coming up on October 28th, <laughs> yeah. shameless plug. Um, but <laughs> That for me was when I really felt a shift in like, okay, let's make decisions like a CEO. How was that for you? And what have you seen that kind of like switches that, that switch, what's that switch for your clients logistically? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot. And I know we've talked about before with even just starting a business, you have a risk assessment from the beginning, like, should I start this business? And then once you've decided that, then it's about, okay, what, what am I going to do with this business? What is my strategy look like for the next year? Um, and then as you progress, you start to think a little bit further out two, three years, but in the first year, it's really, how am I going to get out there? Like, what are my biggest risks? Like, obviously you want your business to survive past the year, past two, three. So how am I going to grow? How am I going to reach my potential customers? How am I going to build my brands? So really thinking about what are the challenges you're going to face and the pitfalls potentially, um, what could go wrong is another way that I like to think about with my clients, because once you think about what could go wrong, you can kind of back into, okay, how do I prevent that? Um, So a lot of risk assessing and risk managing is really thinking about identifying the risk and then responding to it. So you're being a little bit more proactive about your actions. So you put up a business out there, but you want to grow. If you're not telling people about the business, if you're not putting yourself in spaces where people need those services or those or that value that you're offering, then you might not grow as well as you want. And so that's part of identifying the risk. And I like to think about it in terms of four steps of the framework. And this applies at any level, whether you're talking about strategy or operations or any large scale initiatives that you're implementing that year or in following years. But first you're identifying the risk and then you're assessing it for yourself. So what does that mean for me? And what do I have in place that's already, you know, helping the risk or making it worse? And then you're responding to it. So based on how you've assessed it, if you're like, oh, I'm good, like on this, I don't need to think about it. Like I do have myself in spaces where I should be. And I think I'm okay with in terms of growth risk, I'm all right, then you don't have to necessarily respond to that risk because you're already good. If you find that you need more help and you need more help trying to grow or getting into new communities, then you might respond by buying a a course, for example, or investing in like a conference or going to the Mujeron movement where you can build community and start to talk to people about your services and hopefully, you know, get some leads from there. Um, and then it's managing it. So you're responding it to it is a third step. And then your last one is monitoring and managing it because it's always a continuous process and your risks will change. They'll evolve. You might prioritize different things at different times. And so that's really the continuous process of, of that. And what I would recommend to my clients as I work with them, um, or to anyone listening to this podcast. I love that, especially because every single decision, right? really holds a risk in a way, whether 
we're investing in ourselves, we're attending an event, we're doing a collaboration. We even talked off recording before how even collaborations are a risk. And we'll get a little bit deeper into that. Um, But I think a lot of times we think about these spaces as, oh, yeah, I want to be at this event. But when we start thinking about it as a strategy for our business and like our goals that we want to reach, it really has another like meaning to it. And I'll give an example for myself. Um, When I'm in launch mode or when I'm in event, for example, for our big event, right, I would be more meaningful or or make more meaningful decisions on the spaces that I want to be in front of. Um, This year was the events that we did throughout the year around the country. That was a very strategic, but also a huge risk that I really want to get into. Yeah, I really want to get into that. Rosalie and I were talking about that off recording as well. I want to give the example of the New York event. And I, if you're a, a podcast listener, you've heard about this event a few times already because <laughs> I've used it as an example. But I like to show the not so pretty, the not so glamorous side to business and like to what you see on social media because it's so important. Our New York City event was amazing. We had incredible women in the room and there were very meaningful conversations. But if you see it from a risk standpoint, right, it was a really big risk for me and my business. Um, Only six people showed up and that was huge for me. But at the same time, obviously it it didn't like the, the risk of me putting that event was bigger than what I expected, right? So I want to kind of, I I don't know if you can help us through this, Rosalie, and like maybe kind of unpack this a little bit more because the reality is we are going to have these type of risks in our business. And like, it, it just needs to be said, right? We just need to be able to say that. And that's the reason why I like to continue to talk about this. Um, There was also an event that I attended right around that time that really brought a lot of peace to me. And I think I shared this with you too, Rosalie, where uh, there was a gentleman in the room who had a multimillion dollar business. And one of the things that he stood up and said in this networking event was that there were risks that he took in his business that didn't make sense until three, four, five years later. And there was money lost, you know, there was time lost, maybe he didn't really end up getting the partnerships he wanted, the clients he wanted. But four to five years later, he understood that those risks needed to happen in order for his business to get to where it was at that point. So I want you to help us when we're making these types of risks, because I truly believe this New York City event might look like a risk right now. But in a few years, I know I'm going to be like, this is why I took that trip. This is why I invested. Um, Obviously, we're already seeing it with this conversation because I wouldn't have Rosalie on here pouring all of these gems for us. But sometimes we don't see it that quickly. So what are some ways that we can navigate through that? And I know there was a long segue into this question, but I really (laughs) wanted to paint here before we get into it because it's so, so important. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I want to start out by saying that risks are everywhere, like we've already started addressing in, in this episode. Um, but we don't have to 
think about every single one or prioritize every single one, because if not, we're going to drive ourselves a little bit, you know, wild or, you know, our minds will go different places if we're trying to address thousands of risks. So there are, you have to realize which ones are the most important and which ones you want to prioritize and focus on those. And that's how you're going to get the most, the most reward out of these risks that you're taking. Um, and then I would say for, in terms of, you know, having an event and like going, you know, across the country, it's thinking about, okay, what is this doing for my business? So start out at the top, like, what is the strategy here? And what is your objective? Like you said, it could be short term, like I'm trying to make a profit. Um, I'm going to sell 50 tickets, and I'm going to make a profit. That is the goal. It's more short term. Um, or I'm going, you know, to have specific people come and collaborate with me, or it could be more long term, like you're saying, because you're planting a lot, especially as an entrepreneur, you're planting so many seeds, and you don't know when they're gonna, you know, take fruit and like harvest. Um, and I'm seeing that in my business, too, because I'm, you know, seven months in and relatively new, but there's a lot of seeds that I'm planting. And I'm like, okay, I'm networking here, I'm going to these events, but it's not it's all it's all long term it's not like immediately you're going to meet somebody and they're going to be like okay i need your services and you know let me pay you for those services um so thinking about strategy and the objective of why you're doing it and then addressing the actual you know item that you're trying to do or the tactic so you were trying to execute events around the country which cities do you pick like which ones have the most risk or least risk or will give you the most reward um in terms of like do i have an established community there like how many of my followers or my email list or my podcast listeners are there that would be coming to the event like looking at statistics sometimes also helps you like sometimes it's just like okay i know i have enough people but if you take it a step further and look at the data that could also help guide your decision and then financially, like how much does it cost, right? Always thinking about numbers are so important in business and knowing where you stand because you could say, yeah, I want to start this. This is a passion project. I love it. But if it's not going to be financially viable, then it might not be somewhere you can go. Sometimes it's an investment. That's okay. Um, but if you're going to make a huge loss and there's not going to be a ton of people there and it's not getting you to your strategy, it might not make full sense. Um, so looking at the financial aspect of it um, and even just doing, you know, as simple as a budget of who you think is going to come, how much it's going to cost you so that you go in eyes wide open. And that's part of the reason also that I want people to think about risk is because it's really just about having awareness and having eyes wide open as you make decisions. So if you did your, you know, your budgeting and you're like, okay, I have enough of a community here. I did my budget. Um, I'm going to potentially lose this amount of money, let's say $2,000, $3,000, but it's an investment in what I'm doing for the future. Then you move ahead with it. Um, if you do that and you're like, but I'm trying to make a profit, you might not want to take that decision. Um, so it's a combination of, of strategy, of financial, and then looking at, you know, the community base and where it is, I would say, for events as well. And I know um, taking that a step further, we had talked about, you know, in the future, like you might want to see it as an investment, but you also want to make it a bigger event. So how do you potentially address that? And then we talked about, you know, collaborations. I was like, what if you share the risk with somebody else in doing the events? And so I think that's what you did in Chicago recently, and you had a collaboration. And that way, you're already mitigating your risk. And you see all of that upside of now I'm collaborating with people, and they have a great community. Now I'm sharing my services even further. Um, I can have people come to my event after that I've met at this event. Um, so you're sharing the risk a little bit. Um, and on the flip side of that, which you'll probably ask me about, is you're sharing the risk. So it helps from one end. Now you have to also think about the reputational risk and who you're picking strategically. So if you're going toward Latina entrepreneurs, you're picking somebody who's 
I don't know, like the white man. And you're like, okay, well, that may not be the reputation that I want to build. Maybe I want to, you know, support and build our own community um, or even just what they stand for, what their values are, like make sure it is aligned. Um, even the people in the population you're supporting, like, am I going toward, um, you know, young, like 18 to 24? Am I going to the mid-career women? Am I going to like, you know, if I have a different, depending on your demographic, like who you're sharing with, um, and is that going to help you or hinder you potentially? Um, so yeah, those are some things I would think about. Amiga, if this episode is resonating with you, I want to invite you to our signature event, Mujer on Movement 2023. This is a day of community, empowerment, and purpose to help you start showing up as the Mujeron of your dreams. It's happening on October 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona, and this event is for you if you are looking to build a growth mindset and maximize your potential, if you're craving connecting with like-minded amigas and want to join a supportive community, if you're ready to stop playing small, put the excuses aside, and become the best version of yourself, this is for you. In this exclusive experience, you'll get inspired by trailblazing Latinas, keeping it real on how they've reached success. You'll gain insight and knowledge to bring your big vision to life, no matter what part of the journey you're on and no matter what that big goal that you have, I can guarantee you that you'll walk away inspired and ready to take action. I'll see you there, amiga. Check the show notes to get your seat and we'll get back to the show. Yes, thank you so much for unpacking it so beautifully. And there was <laughs> something that you said that was such a key that truthfully, it's something that I've stuck with since I started this, this movement. It's planting seeds, right? And I think a lot of times we forget about that. We're so focused on, well, what's the profit or, or financially, what am I going to get out of this? But when we really focus on the seeds that we're planting, it really allows us to just understand that this is for the long run, right? We're so, we want like that instant gratification of getting those, reaching those goals so fast that sometimes, you know, these risks don't make sense to us. But I feel like that when you said planting seeds, that really resonated with me because there, there was a strategy behind, right? Going to the different cities this year for, for myself. And I wanted to kind of say like, it doesn't always have to look that way. Um, there is no right or wrong, right? Like if profit is where your focus is at, that's great. But also the message here is to not lose sight of like what you're planting as well. Uh, one of the things I did want to mention was there was a lot of uh, you see a lot of businesses starting and they want the the fast, right? Like getting, reaching goals fast and like getting those, the, the growth of the followers, the money, whatever it is that people, you know, want re really fast in their businesses. And they're no longer in business because truthfully, like the why behind what you're building has to be so important. How are some ways that you support your clients to have that so at the top of mind, right? Because when you're making these type of risks, whether they're financial or time or collaborations, whatever it may be, we really lose 
side of that? Like we really focus on um, trying to get there fast. So what are some ways that we can really have our why at the forefront so that we're always going back to like, okay, I might not be there yet, but this is why I started. Yeah. So I think that's why one of the reasons why the business plan is so important, because as part of that, you are thinking about your why and what is your vision and what is your mission and really having that detailed out and so clear. And that's one of the things that I spent a ton of time doing, even before I put Port Equa Consulting out into the universe, it was like, what is my vision and what is my mission? And that helps serve as your North Star of what are you trying to do at the end of the day? And your mission can be a little bit more specific to what you're doing. And then your vision is really just what do you see at the end of the day? Do you want to be the top firm um, that provides your services or gives your product? Um, do you want to serve a specific community? Community? Um, do you want, you know, everyone to have a healthy life, depending on, you know, what your vision is, it can be a little bit more grander. And then your mission takes it to like, how are you going to do that? Are you going to do that through coaching, through workshops, um, but specific strategic insights are you providing or what products are you serving or providing um, as well? And so thinking about your business plan and then focusing on the why and then always having that at the forefront. Um, one thing I like to add to like the why is that as you have your business, like have what are those like happy moments? Like what are those like FES moments that you've had? Because I'm sure that as an entrepreneur, there are some moments where you're like, oh my gosh, like for me, it was like my first discovery call. Somebody actually used my Calendly link to schedule a discovery call that I had networked with at, a, at an event the week before. And I was like, yes, like I'm doing this. Like I got my first discovery call. Um, and I was riding the subway when I got in, I was checking my email and I like never forget that moment. And so it's like moments like that, that you can add to, you know, you have your vision, your mission, and then you have your F yeah moments and coming back to those, like that helps me a lot. Um, because like you said, it's not all glamorous and entrepreneurship. So we, you have to kind of be transparent about that, which I enjoy that we're having these types of conversations. Um, but also like telling you that in the first, the first of the month is always tough. You have bills due, you have your mortgage or your rent due. And <laughs> My savings is dwindling a little bit more. Um, you know, there's it's not inflow. There's no more inflow now where before I had a stable nine to five job and there was inflow and then there was outflow, but that was, you know, fine. There was more inflow than outflow. Now it's a little bit different. And so I'm investing in myself. And what I like to tell myself is that I'm basically, I'm investing in myself, but taking it further is that I am paying myself to build a consulting business. And so I yeah. see myself as a person, but also if I were to try to build a consulting business, I could go out and probably hire somebody to like build it for me, but I'm hiring myself. And so that's why I'm choosing to spend my, my personal Rosalie money on, you know, Rosalie as a career person and as a risk professional to build out this business. Yes. So I love that you mentioned about celebrating even, you know, clarity calls are huge, right? The fact that somebody has booked a call like that's huge um, when you get a client, obviously, but I think yeah. even the smallest things of someone showing interest in your business is already like, okay, my message is sticking. And I think that's where sometimes we struggle. It's like, am I even saying the right things? Right. So those are the things that kind of let you see um, that people are getting. So I want to shift now into how do you help your clients with because we were talking about business plans right 
sometimes we want to do it all and we want to do it all now, right? I remember when I was first starting, I was like, well, I want a podcast and then I want an event and I want a coaching program. And then sometimes, you know, at some point I want to write a book and, and it's like, okay, but I started to slowly realize, okay, one thing at a time, you cannot do everything at once. And that's when I really doubled down to, okay, we're going to start with the podcast and, you know, slowly things started happening. How do you help your clients figure out what should they do first? And like, how does that even happen? Yeah, definitely. So that's a huge aspect of business that you have to pay attention to, even as you're deciding to start a business is prioritization. And we talked about prioritizing risks, like the biggest, uh, one of the big risks is that you're putting on too much on your plate and you're going to burn out. You're not going to grow the way that you can because you're not taking care of certain priorities that you want to focus on in your business. So having those priorities, having the focuses is extremely important. And even just at the beginning of the year, Aside from once you have your business plan, like thinking about what your calendar looks like, what does that year look like in terms of the month? Like I put together every single month and have, you know, maybe three things that I know I need to get done. What are going to be my focuses and then focus on, on that. And like, and then also taking it even before that, thinking about for the year, like these are the top 10 things I want to do. These are my goals. This is what I'm striving to so that you can go back to that every quarter and see where you're doing in relation to that. So starting out with, you know, maybe the top 10 goals and then thinking about each month, what that looks like, when am I going to start the podcast? When am I going to launch the coaching program or my offer and really going back to that, the monthly one, you know, every, every couple of weeks, every month, at least to see if I'm on track, because it's really easy to say like in January or February, you want to start everything and at once and everything can't be done at once. Everything takes longer than you think it's going to take. Um, so even myself, like I have to constantly tell myself like, okay, put three things here. That's it. Like, don't keep saying you're going to do this and that and that because you realistically can't. And it'll take you longer even just to do follow-ups or to go to this event or to like write this article that you want to you know, come into or do podcast interviews. Like it all does take time. And like we can get shiny object syndrome very easily and say, I want to do all this stuff, like a group membership or a conference and coaching and one-on-one coaching or a course and all this stuff. And so it's being very conscious about prioritizing what you can do and always kind of coming back and reassessing it. And that's part of thinking about your risks and responding. And so with my clients, if we're doing a business plan, we'll take that same approach. If then we're thinking about like, what does your calendar year look like? Or like a roadmap of your strategy for the next year and then plugging risks into that so that we have that clear conversation and they have like a clear path forward about what they're, what they're going toward. Yeah. So important, especially when you're transitioning from like your nine to five into full-time entrepreneur. Um, I think there's not enough conversations around that as well, because uh, there is this story online where people just glorify becoming an entrepreneur. And sometimes like we need to take that transition very seriously, right? What is the plan? Um, Do you have to even stop your nine to five? Like maybe you can do your business while you're doing that. Um, For me, it helped so much, obviously, to have my husband's support where I know that, you know, like right now I can take the risks because he's taking care of most of whatever we're doing here at home. And and then I also help my parents with their business where I have 
an income in that place. So I think like also being super transparent about those things is important because I don't ever want anyone listening to think that this is just something, you know, that we like created and all of a sudden it made sense. So um, maybe you can kind of share a little bit more about what that transition was like for you. Yeah, definitely. It's a huge transition. And you go from having a boss um, or a team to work with and to do things with you to divide and conquer. You have a boss telling you what you need to do and what to do when. Like now it's all on you to set the strategy and also do the implementation or the execution of whatever your strategy is. And initially, usually you're starting as a solopreneur, you're one person, um, you might have some other people helping you, but normally it's, you know, it's mainly falls on you to make those decisions. Um, so that's something that was definitely a transition. So I'm my own boss, I'm dictating my own time when I'm doing things. Um, I actually enjoy that I can dictate when I start my work because I am not an early bird. And so I start my days much later, I'm able to sleep in. So that's one thing I absolutely love. And that's also what I go back to when I'm having tough times. I'm like, well, now I'm getting up much later and I'm getting the hours of sleep I need. Um, but just the transition is takes a lot of discipline and consistency in what you're doing and dedication. And that goes back to your why as well as knowing what you're doing, like having that discipline to still work if you're doing Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, or if now you're going to switch and, you know, also work on the weekends for myself. Um, for me, the transition, I wanted to keep the Monday through Friday routine um, just because it does give me a place to disconnect on the weekend versus it kind of taking over. And that was me um, mitigating a little bit of my burnout risk and not just trying to do it all at once and 24 seven, like it is going to take time and I need to have that time to relax and disconnect as well from the business, which can be hard for entrepreneurs as well in the beginning. Um, so yeah, that's discipline, dedication, um, knowing that you have your strategic goals for that year. That's something that not everybody talks about, like the discipline that we need in order to show up when we don't have a boss, when we don't have like real structure, right? Like we have to set all that up ourselves. So that's definitely another podcast episode that we should probably do. <laughs> um, yeah. Rosalie, thank you so much. How can people work with you? Where can they find you? So I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I also a few months ago started a YouTube channel because I felt like that was a good way to share more risk education and more risk content um, for businesses and for people to be able to, to see that and also see what it's like to work with me. I talk some about the projects that I've done with clients on there. Um, so I would definitely recommend subscribing to the YouTube channel um, and then follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, I also have a mini course that I put together. So part of me is establishing my business, I knew that there was growth risk. Like, how am I going to approach that? How am I going to build my community and networking? And so what I've done over the past six or seven months and like just built my brand, build my community, I'm putting together a mini course for all of those secrets and how to elevate. If you're interested in elevating your networking to expert level, putting that all together into seven secrets. Um, and so that mini course is going to be out and you can access it on my, on my website as well, or on Instagram and LinkedIn. And it's, it's a really accessible, and you know low ticket offer because I wanted this to be kind of the first introduction for people on risk if they've identified that they have growth risk and that they want to grow their community and their brands and they want to put themselves out there these are seven secrets that will definitely elevate you and help you along that journey and yeah so that's a course that I'm super excited about and I hope you guys take a look um, and follow me and connect with me send me a message I am available amazing awesome 
All of that is linked on the show notes, ladies. Thank you again, Rosalie, so much for your time, for all of these gems that you shared with us. Amigas, I hope this episode helped you just think about risks in a different way and know that you're not alone and you have two people here to support you. Thanks again, Rosalie. Thank you, amigas. Catch you on the next episode of the Mujeron podcast. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episodio of the Mujeron podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.